Hello and welcome to the St. James Podcast, another week into the season of Lent. My name is Mike, I'm the priest at St. James, and uh, thank you for joining me this week to share this time of reflection. Now our church buildings here in the Diocese of Niagara remain closed right now, and they're going to do so for some time, uh, certainly till after our Easter celebrations. But the church itself is not closed. We are just finding new ways to be God's people at this time. And for more information about worship and other programs at St. James, you can check out our website at www.stjamesdundas.ca. Currently, as well as morning worship live-streamed and Wednesday evening Compline, we're holding a Lent course on Zoom on Wednesday evenings, which is an introduction to prayer and many ways of praying. Online you'll also find posted our services for Holy Week, when there will be a service every day of the week to take us from Palm Sunday through Holy Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, the drama of the Passion, Maundy Thursday at 7pm, Good Friday at 9.30am and of course the celebration of the Resurrection on Easter Sunday. So please do join us if you can for any of those. Also on our Facebook and YouTube channel you're going to find our children's church video. We produce one every month and the children in our church receive a package with the craft and and stories and colouring and other activities. And you'll also find our recent special service called With a Song in My Heart which explored a number of hymns that are inspired by scriptures. Now the scripture from the Gospels that we turn to for our reflection this week is a key part of the narrative of Christ's conflict with the authorities which leads to his crucifixion although it has a slightly different emphasis in the version we read today which is in john's gospel so if you have a bible to hand uh, you can turn with me otherwise you can just uh, still yourself and listen along to this story which you'll find in john chapter 2 verses 13 to 22 and it's the story of the cleansing of the temple The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple there he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews said, This temple has been under construction for 46 years, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. And after he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Sometimes, Where the Gospel writers place a story completely changes the emphasis of the story. 
This is, after all, why we have four Gospels, because they each give us a different window and understanding in the person of Jesus about his life and his significance and meaning. So it should catch our eyes quickly then that while Matthew, Mark and Luke all put this story of the cleansing of the temple near the end of the Gospel, part of a dramatic crescendo after the entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, It's something big and sure to provoke the anger of the authorities and surely then a contributing factor to his sudden death. St John, in contrast, places this story at the beginning of his Gospel. In fact, it's in chapter 2 and it is only the second public act of Jesus. Already right here at the beginning, Jesus has been plunged headlong into a violent and provoking act of protest and disruption. That's a very different energy with which to begin a ministry. In the flow of the story, the first public action of Christ in the Gospel is the wedding in Cana of Galilee, where he turns water into wine. And then we have this story where Jesus goes up to Jerusalem and has this cleansing of the temple, as it's been called. And then thirdly, the next story, he will meet with Nicodemus, who comes to him at night, and he will tell Nicodemus that he needs to be born again. Threading these three stories together one after the other is no mistake on behalf of a reflective theologian such as the author of St. John. And the common theme in them is something to do with what Christ makes new, what Christ takes and transforms. In the miracle of turning water into wine, apart from making Anglicans happy, Jesus is making a statement about a new covenant, a new relationship with God that transforms the old ways and expectations. His gospel fulfills the potential of God's previous covenant with his people and offers the new wine, the riches and joys of the kingdom of God to all people. It's a new way of being. The question that might arise from that story, though, is why bother? Why do we need a new covenant? And so in this subsequent story, Jesus goes to the temple. That is the heart of the old covenant, the place where God is meant to be dwelling with his people in life-giving love and mercy. It's his home on earth. Except we are immediately introduced to what it has become, what human beings have done to it. The actions of those there are representative of the ways humans have treated the relationship with God and perverted it. Now this holy place has become a marketplace, a commercialization of the faith of Israel, a seat of money and power and control and exclusion, of profit for some at the expense of others injustice and all this in the name of God who if they really believed in their faith they would say sits only meters away from them now in the holy of holies to be close to his people and this is why they need a new covenant the new wine as we hear in this passage a new temple John's gospel is particularly violent in this story while it doesn't make reference to the temple as a den of thieves as the others do Uh, He does place into Jesus' hand a whip. It's the only time Jesus is seen to brandish a tool of violence. And it makes this a challenging passage to read in my mind. It's at odds, certainly, with the meek and mild Jesus that so many of us are taught about growing up. But it also puts firmly into the character of Jesus, anger. Or even better word, perhaps, outrage. And isn't there plenty in our world today uh, where outrage would be a good and correct response? Uh, We might think that part of God's relationship with us, for example, is his gift of creation. 
Our faith then should move us to outrage at the ways we have abused it, polluted, damaged and destroyed, burned and butchered so much of its beauty and wonder. The challenge of this story might be twofold. Both how do we take up outrage against the desecration but also how are we part of it? Might Jesus rightly suggest that in our consumption we have made the wonder of God's creation a marketplace? When Jesus is questioned about his actions in the temple, he tells the critics that he will destroy the temple and in three days raise it up. Well, taking that literally, the hearers are incredulous. The temple of Herod in Jerusalem had been under construction for 46 years and famously, of course, would not be finished when it finally was destroyed in 70 AD by the Romans. But in the twist of this story that illuminates its meaning, John, for the rest of us, adds a word of interpretation, that Jesus was referring to his body. The covenant that these stories describe is about replacing the temple as the seat of God's presence, with the presence of the risen Christ, a temple that brings life to all people, and is beyond the control and boxes of human corruption. Of course, that hasn't stopped us getting it wrong in the millennia that have followed. Bad Christianity still seeks to create God in its own image, and wolves still pretend to be sheep to make money from their false god in a box. But the followers of the risen Christ will come to understand that there is a radical renewal of life. Being born again is how Jesus will describe it to Nicodemus. And this renewal shapes our lives into part of that living temple, which is Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Holy God, who brings us into relationship, build us together into a living temple, one where greed and hardness of heart are swept away, and we learn to live in the new relationship of your life-giving presence. Amen. Thank you for sharing this time with me. Go safely and God bless you.